So I'm sitting on a couch and I am struggling. I am racking my brain. I'm trying to come up with something clever, something funny, something witty, something just gosh darn awful exciting for me to say to you in this opening cold introduction to this episode that you are about to listen to. Unfortunately, all you're getting is this. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast. I'm your host, and I guess that would make me Stephen. Otherwise, I have made a huge mistake when I came up with the name of this episode. And hey, let's celebrate, folks, because it's episode number 34. And that's an achievement, I suppose. It's not a milestone. It's not an episode 50. It's not a year of podcasting. But you know what? It's a podcast episode, and it proves that I have the stamina to stick it out for 34 weeks. (sighs) Can I get real with you folks for a minute? Can I just, can I get serious? Can I just take the tone down and just be serious with y'all for a moment? Do you ever get tired of reading comics? You ever get tired of scouring the internet, trying to find out what's available, what's coming out each week, getting the comic books, bringing them home, opening them up, reading the stories, looking at the art? Does your brain ever find itself weary, exhausted? Does it ever just shut down? After looking at hundreds and hundreds of pages of colorful characters who do amazing things like leap through windows and blow up tanks and throw elk through burning Volkswagens, does your mind ever get sick and tired of reading these freaking stories about fun and adventure and drama Well, it shouldn't, because comics are amazing. And I had a pretty amazing comic that I was going to talk about today, but here's the thing. Stuff happened. Life gets in the way. I have been sitting on my couch for an hour and a half uh, trying to record an episode about Wolverine, the four-issue mini from 1982. And... It's just not happening. I have tried recording this episode twice, and I'm just not getting across what I want to get. It's it's not a good episode. It's not a good episode, and I'm and I've run out of time, and I'm not going to have the chance to really do this book justice because it's a great freaking book. So here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to pull an audible, which I think is a sports reference, but I don't know anything about sports, so as it was, it was a stupid place to go. I am going to take three episodes from my other podcast in which I recorded my thoughts on three single issues, and I'm going to take all the stuff out other than just my thoughts on those three issues, and that's what we're going to listen to today. That's what's going to be your episode, and um, so we're still going to talk comics. We're just not going to talk the comics that I wanted to talk 
on this episode. We may have to do that at a later time because I've talked about Wolverine so much this morning that I just don't, I need a palate cleanser. I need to do something else. And I don't want you to be without an episode this week. And for those of you on my Patreon, you've heard this stuff, but I don't have a lot of choice. It's either not have an episode or do this. And I hate doing it, but it's got to be done. So let's play a little music and then um, we'll talk about some comics. I just recently read Captain America number 291. This is from March of 1984. So it came out this month in 1984. I don't know how many years ago that was. I'm not going to do the math. So this was written by Bill Mantlo. Uh, pencils by Herb Trimpey. Inks by Jack Abel. I wrote this stuff down and I can't read my own handwriting. Letters by Dana Albid. Colors by Andy Yankus, and the title of this issue is To Tame a Tumbler, and it's got a wonderful John Byrne cover, uh, though John Byrne didn't do the interior. As I said, it's Herb Trimpey, and it's one of these these uh, covers that I recognize as a book I had in my youth, but yet when I read it, I don't remember the story at all. Um, this came out of a uh, collection that I have that I'm reading through Comixology Unlimited. It's one of the, uh, it's a Captain America collection, The Death of the Red Skull. And um, it was, it was a pretty good little, little story there. Uh, so basically what we've got is the story starts out with Cap and he's cruising down a city street on his motorcycle because he can't sleep. And it says something in the intro to the effect of, you know, late night when, when, uh, somebody can't sleep, um, God, how do they put it? It was like, I don't remember. I'm not even going to say it because I can't remember. Anyway, he's out riding the old red, right, red, white, and blue emblazoned motorcycle and he's holding his shield 
And uh, suddenly in the headlight before him, a figure leaps out of the shadows from a from atop a four story building. And Cap recognizes the costume. It's the Tumbler, but it can't be the Tumbler, he says. The Tumbler was killed by the original moon. Was it the moon dragon, the original moon dragon? Anyway, he, uh, the Tumbler sees Cap. Cap gets off his bike. They tussle for a minute. The Tumbler, who is basically just, he can just do acrobatics. He, he flips around. He rolls. He looks, the, his look is, for some reason, makes me think of a, of, of somebody getting ready to go do roller derby because they, or maybe speed skating is, is, is more the effect because he wears like basically an all over, uh, bodysuit that's purple and a helmet. He's got like a domino mask with a helmet. It looks like, you know, it looks like the kind of a helmet a speed skater would wear with a chin strap. So, uh, when I look at him, I think speed skater, but apparently he's a tumbler and, uh, he kind of, he, he, he escapes from cap, but as he's escaping and he's bragging it up, he's like, ha ha, you are no match for me, Captain America. I have been training for months for such an event. And at one point cap throws a shield at him and he's like, ha ha, as he dodges, I knew that eventually I would have to come up against you. And so I have been practicing dodging throne objects. And as he's leaping away, Cap's like, you know what? Uh, whatever, dude, because the black bag that you were holding, that you stole from this building, which is an insurance company, yeah, you kind of dropped it when you first jumped at me. So now I got it. And the, the Tumblr's like, curses! Without that bag, this was for nothing. But... I'm not going to fight you. I must leave. And he escapes. And so Cap opens the bag to see uh, what it was that he's stolen. And it was uh, it was an insurance policy for a Robert Keene. And so we get back to the Tumblr and he is heading back home. And then we learn his backstory. He is the brother of the original Tumblr. And when the original Tumblr died, his mom was given him. He, he OK, so this is Michael Keene. He is a uh, an ex-Green Beret. He was in the military, Special Forces. And uh, his brother, the original Tumblr, dies. His mother is like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Because even though he was a criminal, at least he helped keep food on the table. And the new Tumblr, Michael, he's like, oh, I will. I'll figure it out, Mom. And and uh, she says, if only he had an insurance policy. And Michael goes into his brother's room and he goes, aha, he did have an insurance policy for one million dollars. And you're the beneficiary. I found it in his desk. So he goes to this insurance company and he, he tries to claim the, the, the insurance and the, the insurance agent's like, sorry, buddy. Uh, Robert Keene was a criminal and he died doing criminal things. So, uh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna cash in that policy later. And the guy had a gold tooth. He had a, he, he had a gold tooth. Yeah. And, uh, so Robert or Michael goes back and he tells his mom, sorry, mom. And then she gets real sad. And she gets sick and then she dies. And so Michael's really upset and he finds his brother's Tumblr costume and he decides to exact his revenge upon the, uh, the insurance company. And as he's thinking about all this, he leaps into his apartment and who should be waiting there but Captain America. And the guy's like, what? How did you find me? And Cap's like, uh, duh, the insurance policy 
had an address on it, and it's this address, you big, stupid idiot. So right away, the Tumblr's like, you will not catch me, Captain America, and starts leaping at him, and they're fighting, and finally, at one point, he's the Cap, Cap keeps saying, look, I just want to talk. Would you knock it off? Stop it. Stop hitting me. Knock it off. I just want to talk to you already. Quit it. Knock it off. And the Tumblr, at one point, hurls the kitchen table. It's a circular, a round circle kitchen table. He hurls it at Cap. Cap takes his shield and shears off the table's legs and catches the table at the same time with the other hand and then hurls it back at the tumbler. It lands on top of the tumbler, pinning him underneath. Cap leaps atop the table and he's like, there, now we can talk. And he basically tells him, look, uh, I can kind of tell that maybe what's going on is, is, uh, you are, you know, basically Cap's figured it out. And he's like, I want to help you. It sounds to me like the insurance company is doing something illegal. And the, the Tumblr's like, well, yeah, because they knew he was a criminal when they let him take out the policy. So if they knew he was a criminal and then now they're not going to pay because he died and he was a criminal, that just seems like insurance fraud. And Cap's like, all right, let's go take him down. So they go back to the insurance place. They break in. And they find in a filing cabinet, um, well, when they, when they get there, there's a, there's a loading, there's a big truck there and all these, all these security guards are, are loading all this, all these files into the truck. And, and Cap's like, well, looks like you scared them, buddy. They're cleaning house. And so they get inside and they get to the filing room and they open up a filing cabinet and Cap sees the names of all these insurance, all these insurance policies under like Otto Octavius. And, um, you know, that's the only villain's name I can think of, but they are all villains. And, uh, he's like, well, they've got quite the racket here. And then the security guards break in and they fight them and they win. And then cap calls the police. And then, then they, then they leave and they're like, ah, high five. Yay. And, um, it's funny because as they're leaving, cap says something to the effect uh, to the cops or something. He's like, uh, I'm going to go have a cold glass of milk with my new friend. And this is the third, the third, the second or the third. I think it's the second issue in this collection. And in the, yeah, I think it's the second one because the first issue had Cap with his girlfriend Bernie at the Avengers mansion and she was watching him work out and because he was trying to show off for her. And then he goes to, to uh, show her the event, the, you know, takes her around the Avengers mansion. Then they go to the kitchen and they share and they, they have, they each get a glass of milk and then, um, nomad, uh, he meets up with nomad later and they're out they go meet Sam Wilson and then they go meet another guy and they sit down and they have a glass of milk. And at one point, nomad is talking to cap and he's talking about a nightmare he had and they're drinking milk. And it's just, just these two issues. It's just all about superheroes drinking milk. And I know that for a while there, Cap had this reputation, you know, of being like the the big red, white, and blue Boy Scout. But man, just in two issues, there were four scenes of people drinking milk. And I find that quite amusing. So that was Captain America number 291. Um, there was some fun. It was a really fun issue. The art was really good. It was very kind of old school. It, uh kind of it to me it, it reminded me a bit of jack kirby but 
Herb Trempy is a is a is an old school guy. He's a that's a classic name. But there was one part in the book where after Cap goes and talks to the new Tumblr and they're going to team up and go take this this place down there. They they are heading across the city uh, back to this insurance agent and they're leaping over buildings and they're basically just showing off for each other. And at one point, the the Tumblr like leaps off of this building and springs off of a flagpole. And he's like, huh, not bad, huh, Cap? And Cap's like, yeah, pretty good, son. And then he leaps and he does a handstand with one hand on the flagpole. And the Tumblr's like, whoa. And then the Tumblr is is uh like running across a line between two buildings. And he's like, he's like, huh, did you, can you believe I used to be afraid of heights? And then Cap is like, hey, you know, I still am afraid of heights. That's why I'm very careful. And he's saying this as he's balancing on the edge of his shield and the shield is balancing on the line. So it's like he's he's like the shield is like a wheel and he's he's going across the line, this this wire with the shield and he's balancing on it with one hand. And so like this guy's like, hey, look how good I am. And Cap's like, hold my beer. You know, that dumb saying that I I think that's the first time I've ever said that. Uh, there were also a couple moments where, you know, Cap refers to him at one point and he's like, calls him son. And I was like, oh, thanks, dad. And Cap's like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I do tend to sound kind of patronizing when I'm talking to other uh, super, you know, costume heroes. But it's, it's usually because, you know, when I'm talking, well, he says, I know I sound kind of patronizing. When I, when I talk to other, uh, heroes who are younger than me, he goes, but then of course, everybody's younger than me. And, uh, I don't know. It was kind of a fun little book. Um, but like I said, I remember the cover. The cover really stands out to me as, as something I remember from my childhood, but I don't remember that story at all. Uh, it's very possible that as a kid, you know, this, I could have gotten that as a, uh, through one of the, through my subscription of Captain America and, uh, maybe only read it once. You know, that makes sense, but I would see it all the time when I would be going through and sorting my collection. So I guess it would make sense that I could remember the cover and not remember the issue inside. Um, I wish it was a John Byrne Captain America because the cover is pretty awesome with the, uh, speed skater fighting Captain America. Here, let me explain to you. Yeah, the way I built my music, no damn accident. I drew the door on the wall, pans labyrinth. I opened it up, I saw the other side. I can't figure out if I'm still alive. I close my eyes, yo. I see sound like Paolo Rivera drew it. Just gotta clear my head like Vera Flew did. I'm serious, man, I was barely a kid. Before I understood despair like I did, go ask my parents about it. Bet your home's broken Those rocks and hard places Just the stones throwing It's how the crow flies It's how the eagle soars It's how my back hurts It's how my feet are sore But still I keep it raw Steak tartare And these days Like to see the stars They ain't that far Yo I'm still wishing And kissing my lucky penny Toss them in the fountain How many? It's like Thank you very much For giving a chance For me to make a scream And clap your hands It's like Each and every pencil across 
These are The Incredible Hulk, issues 302 and 303 from December of 1984 and January of 1985. These were written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Sal Busima, inked by Jerry Talak, colors by Bob Sharon, and letters by Ken Bruzenak. So this is a point in the Hulk's life where I think I read online they called it psychic suicide. And uh, Bruce Banner is the, – the idea of Bruce Banner, the, the intellect – the mind, the personality is gone. Um, all that's left is the raging beast, the animal, the Hulk. And Dr. Strange, feeling that the way the Hulk had become, there would be no way for humanity to really do anything with the Hulk. Humanity was not safe. And so... Dr. Strange banishes the Hulk to a dimensional crossroads, an interdimensional crossroads. And that's that's what they call the place. It's called the crossroads. And it's this really weird looking place. And of course, it would not be the last time that Dr. Strange, among others, banishes Hulk for the good of humanity, uh, which brought us Planet Hulk and World War Hulk to um, events that I may end up talking about in the distant future of event or else. But anyway, so the Hulk is in this crossroads and through this crossroads, he can go through any door into any dimension and choose to live in whatever world he goes into. But Dr. Strange had put upon the Hulk a mystic fail safe device, which was if the Hulk goes into a world and he feels utter discontent he is immediately bounced back to the crossroads and he can find another door because the way it works is once you go through a door you can't turn around and come back through into the crossroads so that's what the fail safe device is for now of course he goes if he goes into a world that's inhabited by peaceful creatures and he murders them all because he is a raging beast well apparently dr strange doesn't care about that he's like ah eh, that's their problem not ours. I can sleep just fine. Why are you asking? So in these two issues, uh, the Hulk goes through a door. He sees through the door this this woman who is green and she's very sad. And he goes through the door to see what's going on. And uh, he ends up in this world that is basically a, a it's a medieval type world. And you have green people and you have red people. And the green people, for a long time, lived within this area of the world behind a hedgerow, a mystical hedgerow that their wizard, who looks just like Gandalf, except for he's green and he has purple robes, because that was a Marvel thing. If you were green, you had to wear purple. That was the rule. And... He creates this mystical hedgerow for his people and they live behind it in peace and harmony because the red folks are evil and they enslave people and they are they're basically they 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 wear armor. They're the the red the iron red knights or something like that. Well, this green girl is the princess 
And she has been captured by the Red Knights because somehow she decided she wanted to go out of the hedgerow. And so the Hulk sees this and he tries to rescue her. And he finds that he is not super strong on this world. Or at least if he is, everyone else is just as strong as he is. And he's taken captive by these Red Knights. And he is enslaved. And he is beaten and whipped and fed very little. And this green princess girl finds it very sad. And whenever she cries, her tears turn into flowers. And so the wizard, the green wizard, he'd been off. He'd been off doing stuff. And he comes back to find that not only is the princess gone, but because the the rose, the hedge rose thing, the rose hedge thing, whatever it's called, because that it had been penetrated, uh, his people uh, have been hurt and blah, 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 and all this stuff, right? I know I'm getting really in-depth here. So we find out that it was his apprentice. His apprentice wasn't trying to do – he wasn't like, oh, now that the master is gone, I actually do the bidding of the Red King, and so I will deliver him the princess. It's not like that. The youth, the teenagers basically, having grown up inside this hedgerow of rose bushes – don't know what it's like outside. And they've been told all their life, don't go out there. And of course, being teenagers, they're like, Ew, I must go out there because I feel like I am emotionally crippled and I am being stifled within this idyllic life of love and happiness. And there has to be a trick and I have to see what it is. And he talks the princess into going with him. The wizard Every once in a while, he will go out and he'll just check the hedgerow to make sure everything is fine. And while he was out, the apprentice says, Princess, let us use this chance to see what life is like beyond the hedge of roses. And so they go out and are immediately captured by red knights. And uh, so you learn that through the wizard that this princess is incredibly powerful. And he had hoped to one day, um, you know, his magic, she's she's his granddaughter. And he had hoped that one day his, she would use her magical powers to help protect her people. But he spent too much time raising her. Uh he 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 coddled her. He didn't he didn't really train her up. So all she knows how to do is cry and her tears turn into roses and flowers and fun stuff. And so she sees the Hulk being beaten and tortured and she can't stand it anymore. And her sadness turns into rage and the flowers that her tears create turn into vines. And one of the vines takes her and the Hulk away and they escape. And then all her people decide we must use this chance to fight back. And so they fight back, but they are no match for these knights and the knights start Winning, and the princess says, no, I say thee nay, but she says it in an alien language that we can't understand, except when they put brackets around it, then we can understand what she's saying. And so she cries more tears, but instead of flowers or vines, they create hideous tree people, and they attack the Red Knights and defeat them. And so... The green people are now happy and no longer under the yoke of oppression of the red people. 
and no longer have to hide behind a hedgerow of roses. And it's all because of the Hulk. But was it? I get to the end of the story and I think, really, what was the purpose of the Hulk in this story? Because the Hulk didn't really do anything. He showed up. He got. He tried to rescue her. He got captured. Every once in a while, he would roar and try to fight back, and they would beat him down. And at the end, looking it back over again, the Hulk's main purpose of this story was to make the princess feel so horrible that she would cry tears of rage and free her people. And once that was done, he popped back into the crossroads. So... It wasn't really a, it wasn't a Hulk story at all. Two issues and the Hulk was only there as a construct to cause this girl to be so sad that she becomes angry. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. First off, let me talk about Sal Buscema and the way he draws the Hulk. There is just this he 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 gives him this like I don't want to say a long face because it's not a long face, but there's just this space between the Hulk's nose and mouth that just it's just epic I'm gonna I, I might throw up some images up on the Instagram or maybe I'll throw some up in the in the post so you can see a good pic uh, a, if if you're not aware of of how the Hulk was drawn back then you know the Hulk the look of the Hulk has gone through many many looks this is one I really like the bestial mindless Hulk who is not all he's still even without Bruce Banner in there at all. He's not just a just a big green rage monster. When he's in the crossroads, he's just sitting there sad. And there is a what they call a puffball collective that tries to keep him company. And that's just literally a bunch of puffballs that are uh like a swarm of them, and they have a hive mind, and they speak to him in his mind. He ignores them. He tries to punch them a lot, but in general, he's he's pretty chill. It's just that if you make him angry, he goes from zero to 60 in like negative three seconds. That's how quick he is to anger. And uh, I re these these are books that I read when I was a kid, and they're going to lead into um, a short John Byrne run on the Hulk. And so... At first, I was like, oh, I just – because the first couple of issues – because basically, I got this epic collection. And it's called The Crossroads, and it's all these issues of the Hulk and The Crossroads. And I remember the covers, and they were – the covers are Mike, Mike Mignola covers. I don't know what else he was doing at the time, but he was doing covers for these Hulk books. And the covers, while they don't resemble Mike Mignola now – they're 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 beautiful. They're they're wonderful looking colors. Colors, yes, the colors are quite great on them, but the covers are great. But the covers don't actually all the time depict what's going on inside as far as the the level of the artwork. And so the first couple issues in this collection, I was like, all right, these are not as fun as I remember. But being the completest that I am, I felt like I have to get through this book before I start reading the John Byrne issues, which then lead into the Al Milgram issues. And so I just kept reading, and now they're starting to really get good. Hey, yo, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't, I 
all star Just keep on doing this every day Y'all know me, A to the D to the AM Y'all better listen what I'm saying Born up north but I'm raised in the south And I came to get down That's why I'm about ripping the rhythm and I'm letting it trickle a little slow At the ends of what I'm talking about Accents from my friends and my fam are as different than the other the lands we sit at I came to make an end, came to play the game Better than anyone who ever tried to maintain the skills and stamina Cause I damage it worse than a jackhammer Digging into the side of your brain So I decided to blame and then I tried to explain That maybe rap music isn't the same And then I took a deep breath and I went and told the haters again That y'all best remember the name Yeah, and I'ma skip every rung on the line Anyway, long story short, I found out that the first appearance of Punisher is available on Comixology Unlimited, and that's Amazing Spider-Man number 129. And that's Amazing Spider-Man number 129 from February of 1974. I think that's the oldest book I've talked about so far. Jerry Conway is listed as the scripter. Ross Andrew as the artist. F. Giacoya and D. Hunt as inkers. Jay Costanza as the letterer. Dave Hunt as the colorist. And Roy Thomas is the editor. So, as I said, first appearance of the Punisher. There's a character that goes by the name of the Jackal. And he is just a big green dude with pointy ears and claws. I mean, he that the dude is straight up green all over. He even wears little green Speedos. So whoever has to color the Jackal has got it easy because they just got to slap some green on him and he's done. Well, he has hired. Well, he didn't hire. He's he's partnered up with the Punisher to kill Spider-Man because the Jackal doesn't like Spider-Man. I'm sure had I read issues beforehand, I would know what his beef is with Spider-Man. And I, I know that information's out there, but I'm not looking for it for this purpose. I just know, you know, the whole purpose of the one issue is, is just to see what I can glean from that one issue. And, and all I know is that the Jackal wants Spider-Man dead. That's all I need to know. And so he has convinced the Punisher that the Spider-Man is a criminal. And it wasn't all that hard to do because as they state in the issue Everyone thinks that he killed Norman Osborn. Now, he can't go out and try to clean clean up his good name, his good name. He can't try to he can't defend himself without revealing that he's Peter Parker. So he just has to live with everybody thinking that he's a murderer. So it wasn't that hard for Jackal to convince the Punisher that Spider-Man needed to be killed. And so Spider-Man, the, the issue starts off with the Punisher shooting a concussive rifle at a clay statue of, of Spider-Man. The statue shatters and the Jackal's like, yeah, boy, you got this. You can take out Spider-Man easy. You got this, son. And the Punisher's, you know, yeah, I do. Let's do this. And then we go from there to uh, Spider-Man. He's swinging about the city, and he's not happy. He's upset that he is being thought of far and wide as a murderer, and he's act he's also unhappy about the pollution in the air. Doesn't that doesn't make him happy at all? Because he's got to swing around in it. And then he notices a crime being committed 
some thieves stealing some stuff. He swings down to stop them, and one of them says, hey, hey, look out, man, it's Spider-Man. And it's one of his partners says, man, it doesn't matter. Haven't you heard? Spider-Man's a criminal. He's not going to stop us. If anything, he's going to want to get a take. He's going to want to get in on this. And Spider-Man swings down there, and he's like, you got it all wrong, you fools. And he beats them all up. And then the cops show up at the last minute, and they make a real point in this issue to not make the cops look like fools, to not, you know, to point out that the police, the New York Police Department, they work hard, and they would have been there to stop these guys, but as these police officers are getting out of the car, one of them says, boy, that took us too long to get here because of traffic, and they, or no, they say something like, don't people know they're supposed to get out of the way when we're when our lights and siren are on? It's no wonder we're, we took so long to get here. Basically, they're, they're, they're saying the police would have shown up on time, but nobody would get out of their way. And so they arrive, though, to, to take the guys into, uh, into custody. Spider-Man swings away. He changes back into Peter Parker. He goes into the Daily Bugle to drop off a roll of film to show Spider-Man taking out the thieves. And J. Jonah Jameson, who's meeting with Robbie, tells him, I don't want any more pictures of Spider-Man. Look, look at this. And they, he shows a rival newspaper. And on the front cover, uh, the front page is a picture of the Punisher. And the headline is about the Punisher. And Peter says, well, oh, I've heard of this guy. I suppose you want me to get pictures of him. And Jonah's like, yeah, I want you to get pictures of him. Get out. And so Peter gives him his film, says, well, here's this, just in case you need to fill up some space. And Jonah says, well, hey, the cost of development is coming out of your pay. Get out. And so Peter leaves and he dresses back up as Spider-Man and he's swinging around the city. He's looking, he's trying to figure out how he's going to find the Punisher when suddenly his spider sense goes off and he is in the crosshairs of the Punisher's rifle and he shoots a concussive blast. It misses Spider-Man, but they commence to fighting. And Spider-Man is, of course, winning. I mean, the fact of the matter is Spider-Man is a superhero. He has superpowers. The Punisher's awesome, but he's just a regular dude. And there's a there's a moment where the, the Punisher is running across this rooftop and you think he's running away, but really he's running to this chimney to pull out another gun. And it's a wire gun, and he shoots it at Spider-Man, and this titanium wire wraps around Spider-Man. Spider-Man, though, is able to break free, and he's winning. And then you look back to this, this uh, chimney, and the jackal is, like, inside this chimney. He's in the jackal. Oh, geez, I can't talk. So you look back at this chimney, and the jackal is in there. He's skulking in the chimney. He looks really creepy. Then he realizes that Spider-Man is going to win. So he sticks his head up out of the chimney and he claws Spider-Man in the back of the head. And Spider-Man goes, whoa, and he gets all dizzy and he falls off the building. He's about to fall and the Punisher says, no, he can't die like that. That's not an honorable death. And the Jackal says, yeah, let him go. And Spider-Man falls and they both think that he has fallen to his death. But of course, Spider-Man is a superhero and he uses his webbing. He, he shoots a web and he swings away. 
And so the Punisher and the Jackal are back at the Jackal's lair, and the Punisher's really upset because he didn't. He's not just a common murderer. Spider Man shouldn't have gone out that way. And the Jackal's like, ah, what does it matter? He's dead. It's cool. Game over. He's dead. And the Punisher says, all right, well, I'm not really happy about it, but uh, I need to go see the mechanic. And the mechanic is the guy that gets him his weapons. And the Jackal says, why do you want to go see him? He goes, well, I got to replace that wire gun that I lost. Well, Spider-Man back at the scene, he, he goes back and he finds the gun laying there on the roof and he picks it up. And there's a little metal plate on the butt of the rifle that says weapon designed by this Martin Reese or whatever the guy's name is. So Spider-Man tracks him down. He's the mechanic. He gets into the off, gets into the guy's uh, workshop and he's dead. And Spider-Man's like, oh, he's dead. And look, he's been clawed to death like a giant cat killed him. Hmm, what does that make me think of? And then the Punisher bursts in and he goes, no, you killed my friend. And so they start fighting again. And Spider-Man says, look, look at the wounds on him. I didn't do that. They were created by claws. Who do you know that has claws? And the Punisher's like, you're not going to trick me, buddy. And they keep fighting. And finally, again, because Spider-Man is a freaking superhero, he beats up the Punisher and sits on him basically and says, okay, buddy, now that we have time to talk, look, look at the body. The Punisher says, oh my goodness, he has been clawed up. And Spider-Man says, yeah, who do you know who has claws like that? And the Punisher says, the Jackal? And Spider-Man goes, I don't know, maybe, hmm? Punisher says, well, why would he do that? And Spider-Man is like, because he's a bad guy, you idiot. I'm a good guy. He's a bad guy. And the Punisher's like, dang, he tricked me. And uh, Punisher takes off. And Spider, well, before he takes off, Spider-Man finds out that the Punisher is a Marine. He's like, why are you doing this, man? Why are you doing this? Why are you out there killing folk? You're a Marine. Why are you, shoot, why are you waging a war here? And yeah, you don't want to know. My life is hard or something and leaves. So we don't know in this issue why he is the Punisher. We will learn that later, apparently, down the line, obviously. But not in this issue. And then the cops show up and they think Spider-Man's the one that uh, killed the guy. And that's pretty much the end of the issue. It was really fun. You know, like I said, it's the oldest one I've talked about so far since starting the podcast. But it and it was a really fun. The art was pretty good. Um, it was a really fun issue. And there was this the 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 intro to the the beginning of the issue when Spider-Man's taking out these bad guys as he's fighting them. He's explaining to him, them what his powers are. I'm 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 assuming because they're introducing a new character of the Punisher they think that maybe, okay, we got a new character. People might want to, people might be jumping on. You know, I know that the goal back then was Jim Shooter, his, uh, he always said that everybody's issue, every issue was someone's first issue. And so that's the way people tried to write. But this one was just like way over, way overboard. Spider-Man, you know, he's fighting these guys and he's telling them, I'm going to take you out because I have the proportionate strength of the spider. I also have agility like a spider and I can cling to walls. But you know, the one thing that I don't have that a spider does, it's the ability to spin webs. But not to worry, I've created these trusty web shooters for such a feat. And I thought that's just a weird thing to be telling 
criminals as you're fighting them. And yet he does. He tells them what all his powers are. Anyway, it was a it was a fun issue and I really enjoyed it. Found out that the next issue uh, has Hammerhead in it and it is also available in Comixology Unlimited. So I've already borrowed it and I'm going to be reading it pretty soon. Well, hey, thanks for listening to the Friday episode of my other podcast where we talked about Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 121, the first appearance of the Punisher. Stephen or else podcast you don't have to but you do and i think it's awesome if you want to leave any questions or comments you can do that by emailing me at Stephen or else at gmail.com or you can just go to the website at Stephen or else.com and leave a comment on the web on the episode i also invite you to join us over at the reddit that's reddit.com slash r slash Stephen or else where you can join in the conversation on the talkback thread. You can also follow me over on Twitter or Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. If you would like to support the show, you can do so pretty easily. You can you can uh, join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that. That's pretty awesome. Or you can just tell everybody that you know, every single person you meet, strangers on the street, just anybody you run across. You know, if you're if you find yourself at the DMV, tell the person behind the counter. If you're at a Walmart and they're ringing you up and they say, how you doing today? You say, I'm doing good. Say, have you heard of the Stephen or else podcast? Just tell everybody. And then that's a good way to support the show. The music from this episode comes from Adam Warrock. You can find his music over at adamwarrock.bandcamp.com. And as always, all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. My name is Steven. This has been my podcast. Be nice to each other.
Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.